This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. In this episode, Devin is out of quarantine and back at home with his lovely family in Lillehamn. And we catch up on the week's news, which included things like folks posting epic skis on Strava and other forms of social media, Stina Nielsen, the Swedish sprint star who also could crush in distance races, announced she was switching to biathlon, and this was definitely no April Fool's joke. And we finish up with some of the news coming out of Norway. All right, where where we last left off, you were, I think, Teresa Johag had delivered food. <laughs> yeah, so I survived that. I survived. I survived with nourishment. Um so that was nice of her. I had I did get one more food delivery for my brother-in-law up in up in Shushin. He just left some food out in a snowbank, which was nice. And um, I made it through my 14-day quarantine uh, up in Shushin. They started grooming again, so that helped a lot. Oh, so I actually got to smash some case, which is something I don't get to do anymore, really, with two very young daughters at home. Sure. So what does that mean, smash some case, from your perspective? Uh, actually, point? not. Not really smashing case. We'll get into that a little later. But I mean, I, I would get out skiing for 35 to 45K. You know what? I kind of just go like Master Blaster pace now, yeah. which is like level two, level two plus. Like, a, like a, a pace that you're actually like, you feel like you're moving fairly quickly, um, but it's not, not costing anything really. And um, that means after about two hours, two and a half hours, like I'm kind of done. Even though right. it's a beautiful day and I love skiing and the grooming's great, I'm going hard enough that after like, you know, after around 40K, I'm just like, okay, you know what? Like, I don't need to do this. I'm not training for anything specific. <laughs> so it's time to to get home. So, but uh, but I really appreciated getting out and getting getting some air every day. Um, but it was very weird to be away from the family. I mean, it was, uh, it was very strange and oh, it was sure. really, really tough to be away and um, the first five days you're so freaked out cause you know, you've been in Europe and you've been on a plane and I'm like, Oh my God, like, am I going to just get rocked with be sick up here in the cabin and all those thoughts and, uh, you're away from, yeah, like I said, away from your family and having all those thoughts. But then after, after five, six days, I kind of like, okay, okay. You know what? Like, this is just how it is. And I started to be a bit more productive with my, with my studies and, and uh, that sort of stuff. And then when they stopped grooming and there was like a snowstorm that happened and then a ton of wind, then it's not like the skiing was that, well, there wasn't really skiing. The conditions were so bad. So there was a few days there that it was pretty, pretty chill and got a lot done school-wise. So that was good. Gotcha. So what was, the, I'm just kind of curious from like a, how they're handling the grooming and encouraging people to, I mean, like for example, right now in Oregon, it's sort of, you know, a stay at home order with the caveat, I think, use your best judgment, you know, go out for a run. Yeah. Social distancing, all that, but they've stopped grooming around here. And I'm curious, did they start grooming after a week or so in the hope that that would be an outlet for people or what was, I'm just curious what you heard about why they would have started grooming them. Well, the biggest, the biggest thing in Shushin and Lillehammer area was that uh, Shushin is just such a big cabin area. And there's been this big discussion here in Norway um, from the government saying, like, don't go to your cabins. Right. Because everyone, you know, people, a lot of people are being laid off. Well, not being laid off, but their their job is being put on the back burner, which, you know, so they have a lot of time on their hands. And then other people are, quote unquote, working from home. Um, 
And a lot of people in Norway, it's very Norwegian to have a cabin and, and Shushin is a ski mecca and people love cross-country skiing and it's been really warm in Oslo. So the snow is disappearing fast there. So I think a lot of people were thinking and planning to head up to their cabin. It's, you know, you know, a couple hours away, no big deal. We can just do some skiing. The grooming's great. There's like over 10 feet of snow still, at least settled snow. So there's tons of skiing left. And then the government, I think, just went like, wait a second, like we can't have... 30, 40,000 people just coming up to the Lillehammer area to go to their cabins. And then what happens if if that pandemic comes with them and then you have a lot, lot of people being sick, they're not going to travel back two and a half hours to to medical help in Oslo. They're going to go 15 minutes down the road to Lillehammer and that's going to be a disaster because the Lillehammer health system is is designed to take care of the, the, the population of Lillehammer and surrounding area, not... 50,000 people from Oslo. So, so I think that's that they put that into high gear, stop grooming, said, do not go to your cabins. They actually made it a law. You can't go to your cabin you can get, you know, jail time or, or uh, a big fine uh, if it's outside of your home area. And in the mean, in the midst of that, I think it was just a way to, to, to mitigate to mitigate people from coming up there was you know the weather was a little, you know, not the best a couple of weeks ago. So they knew snow was coming. They're like, you know what, if we stop grooming, then these people from Oslo aren't going to come with their families or come up here and just smash case. So after that settled down and especially Shushin, I mean, a lot of other areas in Norway have really struggled with that because you always have those people, you know, it's like, I own my cabin. Like, don't tell me what to do, (laughs) which is ridiculous in this, uh, in this day and age. But uh, in Shushin, in the Shushin area, they, I think stopping the grooming was a good thing. um, But did they, did they start grooming again or is that down in Lillehammer? Yeah, yeah, and then they start. No, 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 no. They they started grooming again, and I think they started grooming again because uh, there's a lot of people here in Lillehammer that love skiing, and Shushin is just so wonderful, and you can connect all the trails in Lillehammer to Shushin so easily. Um, so people like to get out for long skis, and they were seeing that they weren't having this mass exodus from from Oslo and the surrounding area up to the cabins. People were generally following the rules. Um, so I think they said like, okay, well, let's just get grooming again because we're Norwegian and we love skiing. And the other good thing about Shushin is you don't have this these points of entry issues. So this is the kind of funny thing, right? Like the whole social distancing, trying to be cognizant of uh, not coming in contact with too many people. But in big cities, I don't know how it is in the States, but in, in Oslo, for example, you have these points of entry into the, into the woods, into the trails. Same in Bend. Yeah. So the parking lots are just jammed. With cars and the, the front country of the first couple of kilometers from that parking lot is like, I mean, it's crazy town busy. And that is not good. I mean, that is not what we need. And that's not what the, the world needs and Norway needs. And they didn't, they, that's been a lot of discussion in the Norwegian media. But with Shushin, what's good is you have, when you have hundreds of kilometers of trails, there's many different points of entry and and with only people from Lillehammer you know Lillehammer is not a big city and a lot of people are still skiing in Lillehammer so not everyone's going to go up into the the mountains and uh it's not mountains but the hills uh to go skiing above town so it was definitely not busy I mean I had some days where the sun was shining it was probably minus one or zero beautiful conditions and usually on on a weekend like on a Friday or Saturday and in the spring Usually it would be like every grandma, mom, dog, kids, dad, master blasters, everyone would be out just going crazy. And, and I almost had the place to myself. So it's 
people are following the rules, which is nice. But I think that was the big reason why they they stopped grooming and then and then started again when they realized like okay, people are actually um, following following the rules uh, set out. So, mm-hmm. okay, so there were there's um on that theme, there was on social media a couple of folks posting some pretty monstrous epic days out on some Nordic skis. So kind of getting the, the lay of the landscape on what people are up to with kind of an aborted race season. Um, what did you notice about what people were logging? Well, I think this is really funny. And you know, I, I'm just going to warn you now you can keep it out if you want, because I'm going to say like some profanities, but it's just so fitting for this, for this moment and uh, beep it out or just you can edit this out. But I think the beep out, just to kind of also, let's go back to our beep out that we had in the last episode. Everyone knows. I know. Everybody knows. I know. Yeah, but that's okay. But that was just a, that was like a... No, it's true. But I said it was, I know, but I just said it was such authority. That was a rare bleep for this podcast series. Because I was just like so upset in the moment that... I think that's why. This is more fun loving. But it's still, but it's not, no, but it's still, yeah, but it's still pretty harsh. Well, we're going to go with it because this is exactly what I felt like. So uh, we're going to, we're going to rewind a few years uh, here just to set the scene. Uh, uh, a few years ago, Torona Hetland was the head coach of the Norwegian men's team. And our team was in Livigno doing a training camp there as well at the same time as the Norwegian men. Um, and Torona was our coach uh, in 2015, but he had, he had moved to the Norwegian team. So this was a couple of years after us. And we went down to Val di Dentro, which is, um, there's a roller ski track there. It's a hairy roller ski track too, like sharp corners, blind corners, steep. Like it's always kind of greasy or uh, it's, uh, it's not my favorite roller ski track. I feel like you're taking your life into your hands, uh, down there. Definitely narrow anyways. So we went down there to meet the Norwegian men to do an interval workout. And it was going to be the roller ski track is about, let's say like five and a half K or between five and six kilometers. It's kind of a bastardized distance. Uh, maybe it's about four and a half to to 5k i don't know something in there something in that range and the workout was level three pursuit so ski athlon style so you do one lap level three uh in classic then you switch to your skate roller skis uh do a transition do a skate and do a lap of of the let's call it 5k that's just easier so it's 10 kilometer intervals and then you had a couple minutes break and you did that three times and uh, i was supposed to be level three but of course like we're a number of canadian men and than the entire Norwegian Armada. So we, we go we go do the first one, first interval, and Toran is like, yeah, thinks it's okay, whatever. We we take some lactates, they're a little too high. Not actually, and this is true, you can you can call Alex on this. Like we we weren't that bad. The Canadians were actually quite good, but some of the Norwegian superstars had fairly high lactates for for a level three workout. And Torana, you could just see his face. He's you can read him like a book. Like you just know when he's getting pissed. Um, so then the next interval, we do it again and then we, we come in and of course, this is just how things go when you're doing 10 kilometer intervals and you're doing it a little too hard, uh, and you have a couple minutes break between 10 kilometer intervals, your lactate doesn't get lower. Um, so the lactates for some of those guys that were too high already got way too high. And in the break, <laughs> Torana, when we were all just like waiting to start the next interval, he just said like, and then just, I can just picture it like it was yesterday. And he's like. And are we done measuring our dicks? <laughs> and we burst out laughing. He was so pissed. We just like ruined. We didn't actually, but like the, it was no longer his own three workout. It was, it did turn out into like a little bit of a shootout. And 
when I was reading on social media, all the people that are one upping, all I could think about was Tor Arne there with his hands on his yeah, face, yeah. his face, like a pillar of frustration because you can't control like the 12 uh, best skiers in the world um, when they're going head to head in what's supposed to be a level three, more like technical focused workout, uh, which is turning into a shootout right in front of his eyes. And I'm like, you know, I have some really great friends, like good friends of mine that just went out for like a tour in the woods, right? Like had fun. So Eric, Eric Branstall that we'll come, come back to, he's a really good friend of mine and him and another really good friend of mine, Mikkel Gunnarsson, they went out and they did a hundred kilometer ski in in Nordmarka, like in the trails above oslo because like i said you can ski to trondheim like there's just so much yeah there's so many yeah nice place to ski so and and it was like that's a big ski i mean a 100 kilometer ski is not nothing like that's that's long i'm like wow you know i was talking to eirik and uh that was really yeah like that sounds fun you say oh it's so much fun like arms a little tired but what a great day sun's out whatever and then you just see the one up going going and then next thing you know it's like Hans Christian goes out with a couple buddies and smashes over 200 kilometers. And I'm reading like 204 K I'm like, good God. Like, and and, you know, that was, that was like, then that, that quote from Torana is just like starting to to resonate and the the volume starts going up in my mind and I'm starting to laugh. And then of course, Anders Auckland, who is like older than a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like he is ancient. (laughs) The dinosaur goes out. I mean, he, I don't even know how many kids he has. They're probably a university with, he's probably a granddad at this point. And, and, and he comes out and throws down oh, over 320 kilometers of skiing where he starts at 5.30 in the morning and isn't done till just after 1 a.m. And then all I can see is like, it's like a meme, like Tor Arnett being frustrated <laughs> in that workout and go like, and are we done measuring our dicks? Apparently since that day, I haven't read anyone go over 320 kilometers. So maybe that's the ceiling, although the weather's been warm here in Norway. But yeah, people are getting after it. And I want to make another uh, astute point here. <laughs> Can we notice something? It's all dudes. And that's the problem. That's the problem in politics. In right. Like, this is why this is why men shouldn't run things. Oh. They should not be allowed to run anything. And this is why. Because you're like, no, I'm just, like, having fun, you know, like, just going out. It's like, you're, you are, for sure. But, like, that 100K ski in the woods with a couple buddies, like, just for fun, that, yes, I get it. But then when you double that to 200 kilometers, that's type 2 borderline like obsessive fun like it's kind of fun but you've it, it was probably fun at about 130k for sure and then it went into type 2 fun from 130 to like 165 or 170 and then after that like you're being kind you're flexing you're flexing and then Anders Auckland it's not enough Auckland like you're Olympic champ you you know you're tons of world championship medals you won the Vazalov but you won the Marshallonga you've done everything there is to do in skiing you can't let Holland you can't let Holland have it at like 300 200 dudes they cannot they can't they can't do it and they say honey you got the kids who are not at school right like as these kids i'm just joking about how old his kids are but his kids are at school age and uh, they're homeschooled like everybody else and he's like honey (laughs) my race season's over but you got these kids right while i go just shatter myself and ski 320 kilometers yeah i'm leaving out 5 30 in the morning i'm not done till past one how great a uh 
homeschool parent was um, was Anders Auckland the day after that day. I mean, they just we just can't help ourselves, and it's hilarious. So yeah, that's apparently what people are doing is just shattering themselves in the in the forest is behind uh, behind Oslo. But you know what? You know, why not? I guess it's uh, it's harmless fun for sure, except for the the spouses of these people that are uh, destroying themselves out in the woods. Right. But uh, aside from that, it's pretty harmless fun. And these are crazy, crazy numbers. And I don't know if you've skied in in Nordmark or like the I have. Yeah, it's hilly, man. Yeah, it's not flat. Yeah. Like we're not cruising on the Vassalopit here, which is like right. pretty flat and over marshes and and um, kind of boring or like Lapland in, in Finland, which is fairly flat. Like, no, no, that's not what those ridges are like behind Oslo. So these guys aren't just smashing Ks. They're, they're, they're like, they're covering some serious terrain as well. So I think it is absolutely hilarious. But yeah, that seems to be what people are doing. And you know what? Shout out to Catherine Stewart-Jones. I said no women are doing it. But today I saw that she did a ski that was over 100 kilometers, 105 kilometers. So Branstall and uh, Mikael, uh, Canadian Canadian Opa, Opa Cup, uh, winner <laughs> is, right. is, is is one up in you so so it's uh it's a contagion it's it's it is a contagion i i, I smashing is a pandemic i'm i'm saying it right now okay so i, I kind of curious because i know i know that the kids are looking at those numbers as well and i know that there are some athletes that have started to kind of and maybe not in those ranges but are emulating like okay we're going to do these huge wicked over distance skis um and I, I heard myself saying this yesterday to someone, what's the harm? So what, like you're in the know, what may or may not be the harm for. Oh, and you know what? Right now, right now, yeah. like the race season is so far away and right. you have good fitness too. That's what we're all forgetting. You know, like people are super fit at this time of year. They should be like almost at their peak yep. fitness uh, or, or a month off there's peak fitness. So, so when you go out and you have a, you know, a lot of these guys and girl or one girl <laughs> are going out with like a camel back and lots of water and stopping to get water and eating and, and that sort of thing. I really don't think there's much harm. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, do what you want. But I mean, of course, if you start doing like a couple of these 150 K skis a week and that carries into a month, then there's no way in God's hell you're ready to go for May 1st. And then, then, then you can run into trouble because then July comes and maybe you're breaking all the records and all your roller ski tests and running faster than you ever did before. And by September comes like you're one of those statistics, which there's tons of them that is just sick and can't get better and not training. And then now it's missed five weeks of training in the fall or, or that sort of thing. So I think like doing it once or doing it a couple times, God, there's no problem. I mean, I did that not, not on cross country skis, uh, ever. Um, but in the spring, I mean, my whole career, I, I would just take to the hills and backcountry ski my face off and and be backcountry skiing for or ski mountaineering for, you know, long days. Like Alpine starts three, four times a week and being outside in the mountains, like going quite a bit of vertical. I mean, I had a sandwich in my backpack, but still, I mean, if you're out uh, car to car in like eight, nine, ten hours and you're doing that like three, four times a week and you're doing that for a month, I mean, that's that's a lot of uh that's a lot of load as well. So, I mean, it's, I think it's a bit of harmless fun yeah. right now for sure. But if you just start getting addicted and, and doing this like multiple times a week for five weeks in a row, 
don't come crying to me in September when you're sick with the rhinovirus or the Corona or something. And you're, and, and you, right. you, you put your right. whole season in, in peril. You can look back on your training and log and say like, I didn't need to do 150 K skis three, four times a week for five weeks just to, just to flex on my buddies that then you're not, then you're not at that point, you're not being professional, but going out a couple times or once or twice for these adventures, I think it's just harmless. Good fun. It, it would be an interesting thought experiment to look and see like the old school folks in particular guys, were they doing things like this back before they could spray about it on social media? Oh, you know, they were, man, you know, <laughs> they were, oh yeah. Like for sure. Especially here in Scandinavia or where you could, I mean, think about it. Think about like the Hot Route or think about mm. like, think about like, I mean, back oh, for sure. Well, that stuff. Yeah. Like, but but going you know out what I mean? No, but yeah. cross country skiing, like it, it's such a cultural thing here in Sweden and Norway and, and Finland and, and Russia. And I mean, you know, people were skiing from town to town and stretching these like insane skis together. Yeah. Uh, and they were flexing at maybe at the bar over a, a beer. Um, right. Exactly. That's the only time. That's the only time. That right. <laughs> the year they could partake in a little bit of that and spraying around the campfire or something. But now like this social media, it just makes it so much lamer. I don't know. I, I for me, because it's like, no, dude, dude, yeah, like, I'm it, like, it's, yeah. it's so goddamn lame. Like you're doing this. Is it an adventure? It's a flex, man. It's just such a flex. And it's just, it's, it's weak sauce. I think, I think it's lame, but, but go out and do your adventure, but just keep it to yourself. Maybe that's cause I'm from the old school. So I don't know. You know what? But it's like us. We're a bunch of professionals, right? All of us, the Canadians and the Norwegians, we're professional athletes. A lot. Alex is world champion. Everyone on the Norwegian team has won World Cups and um, won medals at the international championships. You'd think we'd be grown up enough to just keep it zone three on this hairy roller ski course in some random August workout. You'd think that, wouldn't you? You you'd be wrong. I wouldn't have thought that. You'd you got, be wrong. Like... And, and there was one big fat flex off in the, right. in the woods of the... Uh, of those Italian Alps. So, I mean, we're, um, you know, it's, uh, it's tough, man. It's, we're, we're all loaded with these devices. It's hard not to just spray all over. Yeah, it. for sure. Okay. And in, in, in a couple of other things of note that we'll touch on here, um, for a bit is Stina Nielsen has switched to biathlon, which when I first saw the post, I actually looked at my calendar thinking it was like an April fool's spoof. Oh, totally. Right. The, the, the 2018 classic sprint Olympic champion has decided right. that she's switching to biathlon. That was a shocker. I, I did that too. I, I did a double take. I'm like, okay, it's like April fool. It's like, <laughs> we're trying to get yeah. lighthearted in the Rona times. We're all like totally yep. self-isolating. We haven't seen any friends for a while. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is, this is a little chuckle. No, it's for real. So Stina Nielsen after her, um, cut her season that was cut short because of, uh, her rib injuries, uh, stress fractures in her ribs has decided that she's going to change sports and go all in for biathlon. Uh, all the power to her. I mean, uh, Denise Herman, she did it. You sure. Know, she, she had a bronze medal from Sochi uh, in a relay there with the German women and made the switch. And this past year, uh, the 2019-2020 season, she actually won the sprint globe. So for those that follow biathlon, the sprint events, there's a, the overall World Cup globe for, for each discipline, kind of like this distance and overall, uh, sorry, distance and sprint globes and cross-country skiing uh, for the World Cup. Denise won that this year and she won a silver medal at World Championships in Antwerp and last year was a world champion uh, individually. Uh, as well. So Denise Herman made the switch really well and, and is one of the big stars of, of the Bathlon circuit. Everyone that follows Bathlon knows just how huge Bathlon is in Germany. It's one of their 
number one winter sports. People love watching on TV and people love going out to the range. Uh, Stina Nielsen cross country skiing is, is, is bigger sport than Bafon in, in Sweden, but, um, you know, she's looking for a new challenge and maybe, maybe she felt a little bit of the heat with, uh, Lynn Swan and like 18 other young Swedish sprinters that aren't just casually coming up and, and taking it step by step, but instead like coming onto the sprint scene and taking it by storm. Maybe, maybe she felt that maybe she felt the heat and, and like us not being able to control our pace in the zone three, she's like, you know what, I'm just going to switch to a new sport and clean slate and no pressure. And I've already won the Olympics and now I'll just try my hand in something new. And you know what? Stina Nielsen is also so detail oriented. Like you can't even imagine like a lot of us are kind of like OCD trending that way. Right. Exactly. I was just about to throw that out there. um, but Stina Nielsen is that plus some. So I think, uh, you know, people that are writing her off and you saw some comments in the media were, you know, like Ola Morton, like uh, the the women's coach, the Norwegian women's coach had some pretty, pretty uh, interesting quotes uh, on that regarding that switch. Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, I like mean, one of his quotes just... was like, it's like, that's the dumbest thing I've read. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like that kind of thing. And you know what? I don't know. I think, uh, I think Stina is going to be able to make the switch. I mean, barring yeah. who knows what her shooting, um, who knows what her, her talent for shooting is. But if you, if you are going to co- pick somebody to make that switch, picking someone that is insanely detail oriented and like famous for it, and and well known for that, then Bathon is going to fit you really well. If if you took me and you put me in Bathon, like it'd just be a bullet spraying disaster. So sure, I mean, right. I'm OCD, but like uh, I just I get too frustrated. Whereas um, Stina Stina has good patience, and I think she's gonna. It's not maybe not this year, but I think in a couple of years she'll she'll definitely make the jump. I mean, if I was going to put money, but I mean, you know, a lot of cross country skiers have tried to make the switch before, but it's rare. I mean, it's super rare. I mean. Magdalena Forsberg did it. She was a cross-country skier on the... This is going way back in the calendar, so like any kids listening to this, like you have no idea what I'm talking about. But she was a boss, and she she was a, an old skier on the Swedish national team for cross-country, and she made the switch to Bathon as well a little later in her career and became one of the biggest names in women's Bathon uh, history. So Stina Nielsen's following in her footsteps, and it'll be fun to follow along. It'll be really interesting to see how it goes. I mean, do you think there's, I mean, obviously the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, as we've noted, like the, you know, 10 different Swedish women that are young and are a force and, you know, maybe the dynamics are changing a bit on the Swedish team where those coaches are eyeing that and thinking, okay, who, who needs to prove themselves, even despite having proved themselves in the past, who needs to kind of step up? And, oh, for sure. I mean, do you think like Stina, you know, and sure, she missed much of this season. I think she raced up through maybe mid-December. Would that pressure affect someone standing in Sweden like that? I mean, is it that cutthroat? Oh, for uh, you know what? Absolutely. I mean, the Swedish women's team, especially on the sprint side of things, like they're like the Norwegian team now, uh, the Norwegian men's team, where it's like, you got to put up or shut up. Like it's either you deliver or you're out because we have so many good skiers. And with the championship, they only have four starts. And you know what? Like, I don't care if you've won the Olympics the last time or not. Like if you're not one of the four best uh, up to that point, you're not getting a start. I don't care who you are. And, and that's how, 
and that's how Norway rolls. But I mean, Stina should be safeguard. Stina is that's a good point. You know, just a legendary. She's young. She's only twenty six. But so legendary might be like throwing a throwing a big word out there. But I mean, she was definitely trending to the world's legend status. I mean, she's a an amazing skier with World Cup wins in sprint and in distance. Like I said, Olympic champion in the sprint, um, plus a swath of other world championship medals. So. But uh, no, you got to prove yourself, and I, I was making that a little bit as a joke, but but still, but still, still, that that's some, that's in the back of your head. I've been an athlete, and like young guns, still, young guns snipping at yeah. your heels, like it, it, especially after a season where you've had a lot of injury, a lot of time to think. And let's be honest here, the Swedish Ski Federation right now is going through like a transition, and that's a nice way to put it. I mean, they had their worst men's season ever in the distance side of things. They have never been worse in men's world cup skiing in the history of cross-country skiing and remember cross-country skiing was back in the olympics in 1924 so we're going way back in the catalog here they fired or they two the two men's coaches have decided to move on <laughs> so so there's there's a, yeah i noticed that this morning yeah so 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 there's yeah, that's that's uh, convenient so whether they got pushed out or not the reality is they they tried their best they couldn't get the job done they're out um, they've gone through a, a, a couple different uh, sports chiefs or um, team leaders in the last couple of years since Rickard Grip, who was just an amazing leader that did such a great job in Sweden and had a lot of buy-in from both the athletes and the coaching staff in his time and, and amazing results too. I mean, been involved with a lot of amazing results. Like Rickard Grip really is a truly a... Uh, yeah, looms large in cross-country skiing internationally. And when when he... When he decided that it was time to say stop, they've gone through a couple of those already, and that wasn't that long ago. And now there's a, the men's coaches are gone. Um, a lot of these athletes that are doing well are, are you know, Lynn Svahn is coming from the development team program. Um, Eva Anderson, she's on the senior team, of course, but she had some injury issues. And then Frida Carlson with her health health uh, health issues of this year there, there's a lot of turmoil. And then the men's the men the men's skiing yeah, right. uh, in Sweden is just like they should be ashamed of themselves. And, um, so yeah, when you, when you put that all together, maybe Stina just looked at the whole picture and said like, you know what, this, this year is so tough with an injury and it's just going to be nice to, to focus my, my talents on something else and, and get a new impulse and, and try and do, try and do something that, that is so out there and so hard that, uh, just for my own personal challenge. And I, I wish her luck. Like yeah, I said, I think, I, th I think she'll be able to do it and, and not that Bathlon needs any more big stars, uh, especially on the men's or women's side, but it's always exciting. I mean, it's always exciting to see like Dorothea Weirer and uh, Denise Herman and Tira Lekoff. And then now you come in with, um, you know, Makarainen retired after this year, Kaiser Makarainen, uh, the Finnish athlete who's just been such a beast in uh, Bathlon for over a decade. And now comes Stina Nielsen in for the Swedish team, which they have a strong team as well. Oberg's amazing. Oberg's Olympic champion in the individual. So Stina Nielsen's joining a really strong team. So it'll be really, really interesting. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to follow along. Yeah, I love too. Bathlon. Yeah. I love watching it on TV. So it'll be fun. Uh, okay. And closing this out with your friend, the Norwegian sprinter who is stepping down, who seems to be kind of like the king of I always mess up Dresden and Dramen, but the king of Dramen, yeah. No, but it's Dramen. Um, so, Arik, how do you pronounce I always say Eric, but Arik. Arik. Just Arik. And the only reason I know that, there's a woman here in Bend who's from Norway who has this, like, prized Doberman. And I know she doesn't listen to this podcast. For some <laughs> reason, this Doberman is... The Doberman's, 
It's yeah. Its name is Arik. So that's awesome. how I know there you go. That. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I have that burned in my memory. Arik, yeah. but Arik the Doberman. We can just say Branstall. Okay, that's I'm going to say that. But but Arik the Doberman, for whatever reason, I don't yeah. know show dogs. I have two rescue dogs. They're mutts. <laughs> this dog has had tape on his ears for like two or three years now. You know how they tape ears to make them stand up? Yeah, yeah, because they want to, yeah. It's a show dog. Anyway, Eirik Brenzdahl. Poor Eirik. I hope his his ears get, I hope hope he can take the tape off. The dog seems happy, I have to say. Yeah, as long as he's having a good time, that's the most important. Okay, all right. How about Eirik the sprinter? Yeah, no, Brenzdahl, I mean, oh, I mean, he's he's one of my better friends here in Norway, no question, and... um, He's just such a great guy all around. I mean, I don't need to just uh, gush over how awesome a guy Eirik is, but, but you know, for a lot of younger athletes that are curious about what good skiing is and they're looking for almost flawless technique, I mean, look no further than than Branson in both uh, classic and skate. His angles are amazing. He's super strong and skis beautifully. He has nine World Cup wins. Um, and four national titles, which in Norway is kind of a big deal. In Canada, that doesn't really matter, but but in Norway, it's a stat. It's a stat line that should be mentioned. But nine World Cup wins, and like you said, a lot of those came in Drammen and beating people like I mean, Branstall beat Klebo in a classic sprint a couple of years ago. Remember that? And there's not many people that can put their name on that one. I mean, Klebo's won everything else, but still, still, you got to take the wins where you can. And and um, you know, he's 33 years old. Uh, and it just, you know, if you don't have that fire anymore to do, to do the work and he does, I mean, he still loves cross country skiing and everything about it, but he had a really tough season. He started the season being sick, uh, with a really bad cold, like cold plus plus and knocked him out for three and a half weeks, right before bite stolen started in November. And he was on the, he was on his back foot the whole season. We were talking about that and he's, he's has the best attitude and he's so chill like he's so relaxed and wasn't that stressed out about it or anything but you could tell it was weighing on him and and then when you saw him in in Conrude like the replacement for for Drummond and he hit the podium again and he was third uh that was just such a great moment for him even though he has countless world cup podiums and he's finished in the top three in the spring cup numerous times he's been second in the spring cup twice as well and um so he's he's a uh, absolutely looms large and on the sprint side of things in cross country skiing and, and one of the nicest guys I've ever met and a lot of fun. So the circuit's going to miss him. And, uh, you know, they, they put together a little thing on the sports news, a little package of, of his, of his hit lists and a couple, couple highlights. And I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I had goosebumps the hair on my, my arms were sticking straight up. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, he's had some beautiful performances over the years and more importantly, he's been a great teammate and just a great guy all around. So He'll be sorely missed. There's no question about that. But at the same time, uh, Norway is like everywhere in the world with the economy going absolutely south. Yeah. Um, the Norwegian Ski Federation is going through the a double problem is they've lost their, their head sponsor. Sparbank M isn't re-upping uh, their title sponsor. And then they actually you just announced today that uh, Videka which is a construction company, a huge construction company here in Norway. Um, they are not they are not signing back on to take on the development side of things. So all those training centers, we've been talking about that the last five months, but yep. the, they're all sponsored by Videka. Uh, and Videka obviously sponsors the national ski team program as well. Like, And they're out too. So the Norwegian ski team has lost, you know, 20, 30 million Norwegian crowns, which, which is a lot of money. 
and now is not the time. Well, you can't even. I guess you can Skype, hit 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 the streets, knocking on doors, but you're gonna have to use Google Meet right. or something, FaceTime. So it's a it's a tough thing. And and you know, Branstall had a tough season this year too. Um, like I said, with sickness, and he's 33, and there's a lot of great young sprinters in Norway. So. Um, it was going to be tough for him to make the team again as well. And of course he knows that he's, he's been in the game for so long and, uh, that probably plays into the motivation as well. Like, do I, do I, do I burn for it enough, uh, to do this, like without the national team support and and that sort of thing? I mean, God, that's, uh, you know, (laughs) that plays into your decision-making of course as well. And, um, the Norwegian team is going to go through a lot of changes. You're going to see a lot smaller Norwegian national team next year, way smaller, than you've seen this year. That's what I had read. And that's a function of, of the finances. Is that correct? Yeah. Even before the Corona virus okay. took over the entire world, um, it was a, you know, they, they, they're going to secure another title sponsor. I mean, Norwegian ski sure. is just such a huge sport. So that's no problem. But um, they were, they were running a little, not a little, they were running quite the deficit in this year. I mean, they just had every, I mean, they're all good. Everyone that was on the national team was is an amazing skier. Don't get me wrong, but it was uh, it was not a lean operation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's what surprised me was to read the word. You know, I'm obviously doing Google translates, but the word deficit came through clear. You know, and I thought, wow, that shocks me that a program like that with you know you think of a culture that is synonymous with a sport, you think Norway and cross-country skiing, that they would have no issues, you know, coming up with enough money to cover their budget. And I was surprised to even see that. So it must've been pretty fat. Oh, it was so fat. And the other thing too, I mean, just, I don't know, you'd have to ask Matt or or Grove, maybe it's better Grover is a better person to ask, but in the office, cross-country, just for cross-country, there's 96 employees. Like also yeah, that's I think including it's a coaches. On the US that, that, side. <laughs> that's including the coaches and stuff, and they have big coaching staffs, of course, because they just have huge teams. But, but still, like ninety six employees is a giant cross country ski organization. So that's in conjunction with I think there was twenty six athletes on the Norwegian national team this year, and that's not counting the junior team and um, and the recruit team. That's just the elite team. So that that that's uh, it was a big and and the sprint team, of course. So. So it's, um, it's a, it's a very, it's a (laughs) giant organization. And now with two title sponsors, um, two holes to fill on the sponsorship side of things. And then in a world economy, that's just getting murdered. Um, uh, it's tough times. Like, wow, you want to say it's tough times for the Norwegian team, but it's not because they they have so many good skiers and they're all doing 300 kilometer skis in the woods. <laughs> like they're fit. Like it's uh they're, they're, they're going to have great, they're going to have a great season next year, of course, no matter what, and they'll be well supported. They'll be still the best supported team in the world. You can count on that, but, but it would be stressful to be in the leadership position of Norwegian ski right now. Although, although that said, it's stressful to be in the leadership position of any ski team because when, it, when a season's cut short, like Jason, like we can talk about this, maybe save it for another podcast, but I mean, it's almost April. May 1st is coming soon here. And what's life like if you can't have training camps? How does that start affecting teams? How does that start, uh, you know, like the altitude training, for example, in the US or, or also in, in Norway here, Canada or anywhere that doesn't live at altitude? Um, you know, altitude may not sound that important next year for Oberstdorf for the World Championships. But in Beijing in 2022, you can bet your ass it's important. It's everything. 
because those venues are up over 1700 meters. And if you're not acclimatized and that's not a project you can start like five months before the Olympics, that that's absolutely the, any physiologist would tell you that's a fool's errand. So a lot of, a lot of teams have, um, have put that into their plans for the next starting this year that they're going to have to really step up their days at altitude to get ready for those Beijing games. And, and uh, now, I mean, is there even going to be training camps in May? It really doesn't look good unless you want to listen to Trump as uh, the U.S. gets oh, munched. I, I'm not even, I'm, I'm, <laughs> all I can think about are my own kids, right? When I yeah, hear totally. that, I think, I know, okay, I, know. I understand like, people have to work, but I'm like, oh gosh, oh, I have, like, no, what no, are you doing? Yeah. No, no, totally. So yeah. We can leave yeah. that aside, but it's uh, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing right now. You know, it's an interesting part of the thing. It's an interesting time we're living in, especially for cross country skiing with with regards to training camps and and that sort of planning is happening now. And I mean, I don't think it. it <laughs> I would get very poor odds if I put my money on the fact that uh, the the season kickoff training camps around the world for the first in the first couple of weeks in May are going to go off as planned. There's there's no way that's going to happen. So. Um, we just have to see how, how long that goes, that goes on for. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's weird, weird times. I, I realize recreating is super important and going out for runs, but you know what? You can go out for a run by yourself or when you're backcountry skiing, like you said, like you and your son can go backcountry skiing. You don't need to take 10 of your best buddies and smash some vert and have some sweet corn skiing. Like you can have fun with, with your family. And, um, and that's the same kind of thing here. That's a little frustrating to see with, with uh, younger athletes, especially where, you know, they're out there with like these big groups yeah. of cross country skiers here with like eight different skiers yep. and they're all teenagers and it's all fun and games. It's all fun and games till like you're doing intervals, you're changing, you're like, you're already compromised a little bit in those periods. And then you take that home to your family and, and that sort of thing. And it spreads quickly. And so now is not the time. I think we can all just go out for a run, put the podcast in your ears <laughs> yeah, there you go. and go for a run or go for a ski by yourself or, or go with your family and, and try and keep it to that. But you know, everyone knows that it's just hard to, people are slow to change. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Okay. Take care. Yeah. You too. Bye. Buddy. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening. And we hope everyone is safe and sound out there.